0: Was talking about ways to really reach people and what happens when you share something that you really care about yourself and somebody else actually feels it and you could listen to me rambling on about this for hours but i think you want to hear from somebody who i know for a fact knows how to pull that off that's Manu. Manu new hi yes i've practiced
1: hi jesse how are you not bad i practice too oh i'm pretty good at saying jesse i can say it over and over again jesse see mm. i did it jesse. I did it again.
0: Hey, you've been up to some good stuff, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I have. I've been up to some bad stuff in my life, too. But for the last few years here, at least, at at least the last 10 years, I've been up to some pretty good stuff.
0: And a lot of it has to do with good acting. It's fairly recent, too. And then people should take a look at it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good projects on the line. I've been really, you know, I haven't been blessed like Leonardo DiCaprio or anything the last 10 years. But there's definitely a lot of projects that are still out there to come out. And a few that have come out this year and I've been pretty lucky these last ten years. I also started producing myself and so I've I've made a couple films and uh that's kept me busy in between other acting gigs.
0: And recommendations for people who want to see some good stuff?
1: Um Wow, well see I'm pretty hard on myself. I, I'm not so sure I've made anything great. Um It's good. It's watchable. I'm still learning as a producer. And what I've learned the most is that making film uh, cinema quality experience for indie-type budgets is very, very difficult to do. But I I made a film called Benjamin Troubles that's on Amazon around the world and uh, a lot of other platforms. It's pretty easy to see. I also have a film that just came out called Fifth Passenger. Uh, that's a science fiction thriller with uh, a lot of the Star Trek cast and maybe the Leapers like a crossover and watch a little Star Trek as well. It's a fun movie. It's it's We've got Doug Jones in it and um, we've got Tim Russ and Armin Shimmerman and Marina Sirtis and myself and David Bradley Lim from the show SWAT. It's a neat story. It's about in 2151, the Yellowstone caldera erupts and it causes this gigantic dome to be built, and people inside the dome are like the rich and the elite, and everybody else is basically just trying to get either inside the dome or on all these massive spaceships that are leaving Earth. Mm -hmm. And then one of these massive spaceships that have all the poor people on the ship, they're they're referred to as roaches, basically. Mm-hmm. And and by that time, there's no real racism anymore, but there's definitely like rich and poor. And that's the only mm-hmm. uh, sort of snobbery going on.
0: There's still nothing going on.
1: Yeah. And so this gigantic spaceship has an accident and a couple people from different class systems all end up on the same first class escape pod uh, running out of air, uh, running out of water and running out of life. Um, and it's interesting. It's told through this neat uh, storytelling mechanism that we call a memset that's a thing on the spaceship that records your memories, and so when a spaceship docks, you can experience anybody's memories that was there. It it was a neat script to read, and uh, the first time I read it, I knew that I wanted to get it made, and seven years later, the, the story is long, but we... We got it up on Indiegogo, and the sci-fi fans supported us and got us our first money, and then we were able to find more money and match funds with other people and finally get this thing out there to the to the world. And um, it's out in like 16, 18, 20 countries now. It keeps getting sold to new places, so I hope you guys check it out. It's called Fifth Passenger. You can you can get it pretty much anywhere, and you can order the DVD at fifthpassenger.com or at epic-pictures.com. Also, if you want to watch a free movie that I did, it's a, it's really beautiful, and I hope that people take the time to watch this movie because it, it touches your heart. Yeah, you guys, watch that one. It's called Instant, I-N-S-T-A-N-T, and it was made by Rod Roddenberry's company, uh, Roddenberry Entertainment. And it's a short film. It's 22 minutes. It's an excellent story. It's it was a, one of those things that um, really for me it was like a once in a lifetime experience. Mm-hmm. It was only one week. We we shot it for one week, but actually five days is all it took to shoot. But it was a five really magical days, and it took another you know a number of months or a year at least to finish the final product, but it touches your heart and not many times as an actor you might, I mean I might have done 60 jobs since I was 18 years old that is one of the most powerful heart-touching things I've ever made I think and it's free so you can see it at, at com. you can see it at instantthemovie.com and it's on YouTube and if you do see it the the frustrating thing about making a powerful movie that's that short is that there's no real place to market it. And so uh, not many people are going to get to see it unless sci-fi fans watch it and share it on their social media. That's the only way that we're going to get it out and around the world. So Mm -hmm. if you see it and you enjoy it, please take the time to share it with others. It's free. It's not going to cost you anything. And I I promise you uh, it will get through to you at least 90% of the public. It'll hit their heart
0: there's some really good bits in it. Um yeah, that yeah, I can talk about it. You can't talk about it without spoiling it, but mm-hmm. definitely huge 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 thumbs up. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's great writing. It, you know, it's it's just a really nice piece. Uh everything about it was done right. I don't have anything to complain about. Like most of the stuff even the, the, you know, big-budget television or big-budget films that I've done, I, I I have something where I'm like, that could have been done better, or are we are we really messed up here, or we really messed up there, or I wish we would have done this. That film was just downright good all the way across the board.
0: I went to the set dressing, even. not many people notice that, but I have a dressed that set Nice.
1: Yeah, beautiful, uh, simple, uh, but also, yeah, just the way they lit it, the way the, you know, the quality acting, quality storytelling, the DP, uh, the photography is really subtle and and simple. But, you know, he really could have overdone it and he didn't.
0: Yeah, you got to serve the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there were all these moments like in that film that I picked in my head that I was trying to get across as an actor. And you can only hope that the people that are filming it and doing the sound design and the color correction and all those things, you know, you can only hope that they're doing uh, what you hope that they're doing in my head. Like for for one thing, I, I don't think this gives away any of the story. Um, I kept as a as the character, I kept I kept looking up at the clock that was in the that was on up Mm. at the bar Mm -hmm. and to me every second of that clock was super important to me and there wasn't anything in the screenplay Ah. that said that and yeah and so I think the dp saw what
0: they picked that up
1: maybe you know I don't even know how it worked but it did Mm -hmm. and so that's really neat when when a choice you make as an actor, you see that like yeah. the, the whole team is on the same page. There's a magic thing that happens in good filmmaking where the costume designers, the set designers, the scripty, the director, everybody is kind of somehow you get all these artists. I liken it to like imagine if you got all the great painters together and you gave them one canvas
0: huh.
1: and you just said make something beautiful it's really hard to make a great film
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's there's a rare rare moment where everybody is serving the story and mm-hmm. and i think everybody did on that movie so it was really neat to experience yeah and neat to watch yep and free! It's free! And free! It's absolutely worth your 22 minutes. I've had a lot of people that have seen it that have shared their experience with how it touched them emotionally, and there's nothing you can ask for as an actor but that. Yes. And not many people have seen it yet, so if you watch Instant, please share and get it out there so that more people can have that experience.
0: Um, just a little back to Fifth passenger. Mm-hmm know what I'm talking about when I say about midpoint for your character? And there were, like, two strong bits there, but one was just so cool.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, that, nice.
1: And that was, by all accounts, I will admit, and it will actually ruin it for you, so I won't admit it. Never mind.
0: That's okay. You had something else working for you there? Something like that?
1: Yeah, something very lucky happened to make, to make that scene work. Um... Well, when we did that moment, we weren't lit in the two shot very well. Uh-huh. And we didn't take the time. I don't think we took the time because we were really rushed. We were shooting seven to 11 to sometimes even 13 pages a day in that film. And I don't, I'm not certain we ever got the close up of that moment. And I think. Scotty, the director, was scrolling through footage of me in the in the mask and found a moment where I was just staring and the eyes did the right thing. And um yeah, I think he found that in like another take right around there somewhere. Uh and and it happened to work and I, I'm thankful for that.
0: Don't dismiss that. Because, you know, yeah. there was there was lack of control and something more true may have just been there without even knowing. Mm-hmm.
1: I was really concerned about that moment. You know, movies in general, especially when you're trying to make people feel something, Mm -hmm. there's this sense of cliche about it. Oh, this moment has been played so many times. Oh, God, you know, let's not overdo this. And there's this fear that... I think all actors experience mm-hmm. and I think all artists experience when you're trying to make people feel something through art because uh, you have the self-doubt and and those kind of things. Oh, yeah. yeah, it sneaks in mm-hmm. and um, and you have to push past that to the point where you make it so cliche that it's real because life is a cliche, like love is a cliche, like all the heavy duty feelings we experience. We convince ourselves to feel, and it's beautiful when we do it, and so I think this is a kind of the same thing in film. you have you have to make it so cliche that it works.
0: I mean it can it can't ever be the same thing because every moment is different. Yeah, every person is different, so even if it's the same theme, you know, where it comes from the whole you know construct, the whole human soul being the actor and the whole work behind it, it'll always be different.
1: yeah, all it's true all all feelings in general are relative. I found that out the other day when I was doing some comedy. I was uh, on stage saying just freeform, uh off off-the-cuff, open-mic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said a joke that my whole life I thought was really funny for a lot of my life. And then I realized that it, w- it wasn't. And I thought that it was really stupid. Huh. And that it was kind of an arrogant, dumb, uh, sort of ignorant type of comedy. <laughs> and then when I said it, I found out that about a third of the room found it hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find it funny anymore. I found it to be almost offensive. Mm-hmm. Funny is a relative thing, you know? Uh, you can you can really offend people with funny sometimes.
0: <sighs> it's difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, emotions of all kinds. Like, I'm sure there are people that watched that moment that you're speaking of in Fifth Passenger, and their reaction was like, oh, man, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, I'm glad that it touched you, and I, you know, I hope it touches other people too. Mm -hmm. That movie's like a, you know, it's a popcorn movie. It's got a neat question beneath the surface of it all, and I think in the long run, it's got something to say. But at the same time, we were just having fun in space with an alien. But yeah, I hope people enjoy it.
0: I I think they do. Yeah, let's not complain about some people coming in pre-primed and getting, for some reason, nothing out of it. You know? Yeah, getting all these funny, (laughs) funny critiques.
1: Yeah, how weird is that, though? that experience like i have it all the time people will tell me that a movie's horrible and then I'll, you'll go around in society and a movie will be out for like 3 or 4 weeks and you'll hear from everybody oh my god don't see that i walked out of the theater it was awful and so you have that preconceived notion of like oh this is going to be terrible but you watch it anyway and then you find it phenomenal because you've gone in with these low expectations And then the other thing is you can have these huge expectations that like, oh, I can't wait to see this. It's going to be fantastic. I've been waiting so long. Mm. And then it doesn't live up to those expectations. And it's really funny how all that is, Mm. all those variables come into how much you experience a piece of art.
0: Maybe not only the artists have to be in the moment, but the audience too. Mm -hmm. Thank you for what it is. (laughs)
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: I think the people that don't enjoy Fifth Passenger go into it thinking it's got these big actors in it. They must have had a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Jones' last film just won an Oscar. I can't wait to see more. Mm-hmm. And then they don't realize that they're, they're watching a, a very low budget indie film that had a lot of heart and soul and passion to even get it on the screen and get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think people that know that it was, like, barely made uh, with sweat, blood, and tears, the, I think those people probably enjoy it more yeah. than the people that think, oh, here's another blockbuster, you know?
0: Yeah. By the way, how do you say Morgan Leroy's name? Something like that?
1: Exactly like you just said, yeah.
0: People listening to most of my know that, but, um, yeah, I'm a very tough girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, she co-wrote it, right? Yeah, she did. She owned every moment of that reality. I did not see the story of the actor. That's great. see two stories normally
1: you know yeah she doesn't take any in real life either she's a tough girl uh she she is definitely all about she stands up for what she believes in hands down and that character also embodied that that sort of thing yeah Yeah, she did a great job and she also did a great job producing and writing and and getting that film in a place where people can see it you know she Mm -hmm. By sheer force of will, um, that's usually how all movies <laughs> get there. By, sheer, you know, the de- stubborn determination to to make it happen.
0: Making it happen despite everything going wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to go forward until we get this thing finished, d- no matter what.
0: I was I was really impressed. Unless you really really want to see, you know, when you say, Avatar or something, but yeah, enjoy a good story, guys. Might not be everybody's taste, mind here, So maybe check first what the genre is.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a a sci-fi thriller, sci-fi horror. Mm. More of a thriller, I I think, than a horror film. But you you said Avatar, and I recently went to uh, Disney World and rode the Avatar VR ride called Ride of Passage. And oh my god. I mean, talk about next generation of ride. That ride is... um, it really it gives you a glimpse into what people are going to be experiencing at amusement parks yeah. over the next you know fifty to a hundred years because you're on that thing <laughs> you are flying that freaking dragon in Avatar Land and it is it is absolutely amazing Ooh. and when and when you're in it like I. For a for a moment, I'm flying on the dragon, and for a moment, I I have this thought while I was on the ride that, oh my God, how many millions of millions of dollars went into this ride, or you know, Mm -hmm. and 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 this experience is so realistic. Mm -hmm. How did they do this? And so I had to step out of the moment for a second and turn my head and try to see how they were making me feel these sensations. And when I got a peek. If you if you lean out and and look to your right or your left, you can see the machine that they've built to get all these people on it, and it's it's so scary to see the machine itself oh. that that was as big of a rush as the experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh my god, where am I?
0: Dragon tank, dragon tank, dragon.
1: right right back to the dragon i was like okay that's too much Dragon no way we're all here experiencing the same thing and then and you know and yeah it's a it's amazing so if you happen to be in florida go take the ride because it is absolutely worth it that ride is phenomenal i mean i literally got off it and i was i was high i was like for for at least three hours i was speaking to other human beings like I never did, strangers, etc. Like, it was awe-inspiring. It was really neat.
0: It's an ICU machine. I like it.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, because, you know, because afterwards we're sitting in the, you know, the stupid little trolley that everybody has to sit in to go back to their cars.
0: Actually, I don't know, but take a word for it.
1: Okay. Well, if you go to like the Disneyland or the big amusement parks, there's like a big long trolley that usually takes people from the parking lot to the park. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you're in there and you're squashed up against a bunch of other people that are all stuffed in there and you don't know them and it's kind of uncomfortable. But after that ride, I was looking everybody in the eyes, and I was just truly alive. And most of them who had been to the park had just had that experience, too. So we all started talking about it. Awesome. And Yeah, it was very uh, an ICU moment, no doubt.
0: And that's a lot of money put to good use.
1: Yeah. I love movies that do that, too, you know? What a rush it is when you get to go to the theater and... You go in there depressed and then you walk out with an understanding of humanity that you didn't have before that experience. And it makes you feel more connected to your, you know, the other people right next to you. Mm. That doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it is an amazing thing. That's, that's why I do what I do, just to hopefully be a part of uh, one, if not more, things like that.
0: Mm. Well, let's talk more about projects because you are doing something else really, 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 really cool which other people could also help
1: out with. Yeah, right now I'm working, and for the last couple of years, I've been working on a science fiction anthology series called The Circuit Urbiessa. It's 10 stories, 10 episodes, one season of a science fiction anthology that every single episode takes place in the futuristic city of Urbiessa. And each different episode takes place in a different year of the building of this city. And so it's it's mega big as far as our our hopes and dreams of getting it funded. Um, and right now we're doing the pilot episode. And we started with a Kickstarter. I put a bunch of great actor friends of mine together who bought into the, the dream of making this thing happen. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make a, a sci-fi anthology series where each story stands alone, but it's all in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And each story is a different subgenre of sci-fi. So you get like one sci-fi thriller, one sci-fi comedy, one sci-fi romance. And we wanted to try to stay on the the positive side of sci-fi. Like there's so much dystopian mm. uh, science fiction. And we wanted we wanted to do more uh, stuff on the fun side of the Twilight zone uh, Steven Spielberg's amazing stories. It's not going to be like anything else you've seen. I'm I'm really taking a shot at making something original and new and strange. Mm-hmm. And it could all fall flat on its face, but I don't think so. We were able to raise $100,000 on Kickstarter. We have actors from Game of Thrones and Star Wars and Star Trek.
0: Lots of them.
1: If you want to look into the project, go to The Circuit Film. Uh, the Circuit, like a circuit that you would plug into um, to, in the tech world. TheCircuitFilm.com. And we always need donations, but we also wanted this project to be something that people could take part in. And so we're always, if, if you want to talk to me directly, if you're interested in investing, of course we always need money. But if you're interested in taking part creatively, send me an email to manuentereme at thecircuitfilm.com and tell me how you would like to pitch in. Of course, go look at the website. Go look at the actors. Go look at the people involved. Um, but actually, going to the Kickstarter page and just typing in the circuit Irbesa, you can see more information about what the show's about, what we're trying to accomplish, and um, you know we've had a couple of investors come in lately. We have a we have a bunch of scripts that we want to make, uh, but we have a great pilot screenplay to start the thing off. And uh, we're about to pull the pre-production lever, but we're really dreaming of doing this with a bigger budget than I've had in the past. And so um, I'm asking people if they have a dollar to pitch in or if they want to actually partner up and become a part of this thing as a creative person or as a money person or as both, please reach out to me.
0: Is there a list somewhere? I mean, is there somewhere online where people can go like, look, this is needed? Oh, well, that's the thing. Like if
1: if you're an artist and and you're a creative artist, we need you. Bottom line – there's a lot of composers that have been reaching out there's a lot of uh, digital effects artists that have been reaching out but if you know people that do makeup if you design costumes if you are a sketch artist we need we want to storyboard every last shot of this thing so we need people that are creative enough that i can describe or my dp can describe the shot and if you want to just uh lean in and throw some of your art into the mix you want to volunteer on set you happen to be in los angeles when we're shooting you want to be a pa and just run around and do go for things and help this project get done. It's definitely another blood, sweat and tears Mono reme project. But um, at the same time, some people have come in and, and given us some money. So money doesn't solve everything, but it's definitely the, the, the most helpful in getting uh, things accomplished. If you only have the time to do one sketch, we want you to reach out.
0: It makes a difference.
1: Yeah, and absolutely we will give you credit for it. You know, at the very least, we can say, hey, this this person did this art and get you on the credits. And we're definitely just looking for creative people that love science fiction, that want to do something positive. And we're looking for screenplay writers uh, that, that write short screenplays. Uh, we're looking for like 25 to 40 pages maximum. We want to keep it short because I want to keep the budget that we have I'm looking for quality versus quantity this time. Mm. Short screenplays are always welcome, and we want this project to be a series, so I'm in it for the long haul.
0: yeah, I was wanting to ask him, is this like a kind of a series one out of more i think it yeah
1: i mean we're 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 gonna shoot the pilot episode and Hopefully, we're going to be able to shop that around as a sizzle reel and get one of the major streaming networks, or cable uh, networks, or regular network TV to pick it up. Preferably, I would love it to be on Netflix or HBO or one of those you know big companies that really make the cutting edge, big budget stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're throwing our hat in the ring to try to get a series out there. And if we failed in that endeavor, we're still going to go back to Kickstarter and back to the crowd and crowdsource in episode two. And I'm not going to stop until this thing gets built, so we're right we're right in the beginning still, but production's not too far away. We haven't picked a date yet, but we're we're very close on this script, so uh, we'll be announcing the pre-production soon, and um, then we'll announce production and we'll be making it. Cool. I think it's going to be really neat to see the the city change compared to the genre of the story that we happen to be telling. I mean, they're all going to be science fiction, and they're all going to take place in this same city, the same world, the same mega city. But if it's a noir tale, then the city's going to look a little different in that tale than it would if it was a buddy comedy story. But the fact that all these genres will be taking place in this city, it'll also be fun to see when the stories bump into each other in the slightest little way. They're not all going to tie together. It's not a, it's not that type of show. But I think that some of the stories will rub edges a little bit, you know? Could be absolutely beautiful and we're aiming for, you know, home run, 10 plus, wow, no one's ever seen anything like this. Or it could be totally crazy, like, uh, wow, there's way too many genres going on here. What are these people thinking? I don't know yet, but, uh, you know. We we want to make it, and there's a bunch of people on board, a bunch of great, talented people in all the departments, and we're looking for more. TheCircuitFilm.com, and reach out to me, Manu Antireme, at The Film, if you want to help.
0: Awesome. Of course, it's all acting, storytelling, and so on. It does you know, serve a purpose. Well,
1: yeah, in the end, uh, you know, I I act because I I think that not only acting, but storytelling in general with novels, television, good cinema, bad cinema. I believe that it brings us closer together as long as it's not like propaganda, you know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But, you know, good cinema to me, good storytelling always shows you a point of view of another human being that you're not in their shoes, but you get to wear them for a while.
0: Very quantum leap.
1: Yeah, right, Quantum... Exactly, like, that story was so great that literally that's what he was doing every episode.
0: A translation job almost, yeah, because he is of the, you know, group, which is usually the most fortunate, and he gets to see the groups which are not.
1: I I love that you guys have a club that keeps Quantum Leap alive. I loved that show. What a great concept. Are they bringing it back? I heard some...
0: Well, there is apparently a movie script finished. Uh Aha. But good to go, whether or when it's happening... All the fans are guessing. Mm-hmm. We're waiting and we're hoping for a new show. And eh, Well, we're all rooting for it in any case.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I love that show. The Circuit in, is in a way, it's, it's not Quantum Leap, but it's that, in a way that same like different story every time, different character, different thing that you get to see, mm-hmm. but all in the same fun city. And who, who knows? Maybe Bakula will join us at some point. We do have a lot of Star Trek actors on board and I love Scott Bakula. I think he's a fantastic actor. One of the that's the strangest thing because I was, you know, on Voyager for 2 years and I did a lot of personal appearances for Star Trek and I've gotten to meet almost everybody from every cast along the way but I never did get a chance to meet Scott Bakula. Wow. Yeah, I haven't met him yet. I even went to the set one day cuz you know uh Enterprise was on right after Voyager and so I still kind of had come and go privileges but he was he, he wasn't there that day.
0: Oh. Yeah. He probably would have been there almost every day.
1: Yeah, I know. Um and then you know if I can just spout a couple of more projects I'm in a film I'm not in a, in it a lot but there's a great film called We Are Boats coming out soon that my friend James Bird is making. Keep an eye out on this guy because you should actually watch his other films. Uh, he he made a film called Honey Glue, Honey Glue, that is just beautiful, really, really beautiful original film that's absolutely worth seeing. And his first film that he directed called Eat Spirit Eat is also a pretty neat. The spirit behind it is addictive in the way that it's just so childlike and creative. And um, I think he's going to be a big filmmaker. And I have a little cameo in his upcoming picture. We are boats.
0: Okay, guys, you got a good list. You got homework. Yeah. Got end question for you. What do you think? So, you could play any character at all, ever. Can be from a show, can be from a novel, can be anything, can be abstract, could be the wind, anything. Which one would you like?
1: You know how hard that question is to answer. Uh huh. I've had that question asked, I don't know how many times. I probably have lost count by now. I've answered it poorly, probably like 20 times out of 20. There was one time when I answered it and I was like, yeah, that would really be a great role, but I forgot what the heck
0: it was. (laughs) One (laughs) winning opportunity to just pick anyone. It doesn't have to be perfect.
1: Yeah, any any role. Um, I suppose I have to answer it more than once. If it was like a comic booky movie, I want to play the Joker. I, I want a chance to play the mm-hmm. Joker. I think that would be really, really neat. Um, and then if it was like a h- historical drama, I've always wanted to see a, a movie about the real life of Edward Albee. Oh, God, whom I think I'm not thinking of Edward Albee. I'm, I don't know why that came out of my mouth. Edward Albee did The Zoo Story. Have you ever seen The Zoo Story? No. Okay, hold on. Um, The zoo story is a fun little short theatrical piece about this really crazy guy that sits next to this really supposedly sane, straight society person. Mm -hmm. Like, crazy homeless man sits next to super straight Wall Street guy on a park bench in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And it's just a scene between them, and it ends in a really wild way. But I don't think that's—I'm talking about Samuel Beckett.
0: (laughs) The Leeper is called Sam Beckett.
1: <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Maybe named after him. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd I think say. they probably did. They probably did.
0: So you want the other Sam Beckett?
1: <laughs> yeah, I want to play Samuel Beckett. And he wrote Waiting for Godot. And it's it's a really strange play. I'll read you the little Wikipedia thing. I, I played one of the characters when I was a kid, like when I was 18, in a play. I played Estragon. So listen to the breakdown. Waiting for Godot is a play by Samuel Beckett in which two characters, Vladimir and Estragon, wait for the arrival of someone named Godot who never arrives. And while waiting, they engage in a variety of discussions and encounter three other characters. Waiting for Godot is Beckett's translation of his own original French play, in Atom.
0: Tom. in Don maybe?
1: Yeah, there we go. Is subtitled, uh, the original French text was composed October 1948. Um, and it appeared at the Theatre de Babylon in Paris and the Royal National Theatre in 1990, the most significant English language play of the 20th century. It's a phenomenal play. You should read it if you've never read it. Yeah, I
0: can catch up on that one.
1: But the guy that wrote it is his life was also super interesting. And for him to, it's all like abstract theatre, it's very strange stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. All, all of his plays. I don't know if he ever wrote one that was normal. Okay. Um, okay. So I would love to see a, a movie that dug into his real life and, and what he lived through in order to come up with those strange characters that he wrote in theater. And I look like the guy, I think. Really? I looked at him and I went, hey, I look like that guy. Maybe I should play him.
0: We you should write it.
1: But I think I'm boredy. Maybe it's time. After the circuit, maybe I'll do Samuel Beckett's uh, life story. That's what I started out doing. Why not, right? That's that, that was the first intense, big production that I was ever in when I was a young man. And so why not turn around and and thank the guy for getting me started? Yeah, so so I'd play Samuel Beckett. There we go. I, I answered.
0: <laughs> I did. You did. I'm kind of happy with the answer for now.
1: The fact that it's Sam Beckett, that's really funny. I think that was a good answer.
0: That's it's Perfect.
1: And I really didn't plan that, so that's
0: mm-hmm. nope.
1: Maybe. Or I'd do that. Forget the Sam Beckett uh, movie. Since Scott's getting older, maybe I'll do the reboot. I'd take the Samuel Beckett role in the the reboot of Quantum Leap.
0: That's a good one. Brilliant. It's been actually quite tricky and hick up into fun to get this interview together, but
1: we did it. it. Thank you for the interview. Uh, also, thank you for supporting the projects and and getting them out there. I appreciate I it. Love. Awesome. And thanks for the conversation.
0: Oh Guys? Bye bye... Bye -bye. Thank you. Hey guys, did, did anybody else see that? Um... I think there's something he didn't tell us.